0: is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org, or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruiz. Amen. Well, grab your Bible. We are going to be in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in uh, the seat around you just underneath and uh feel free to keep it if you don't have your own bible we're glad you're here this morning uh we got like two rows here that are on vacation like sit behind me they're out or or these got sick kids sick kids yes luke 19 what do you preach christmas sunday luke 19 yeah well uh Luke two you know I, i've been doing this now here at Cornerstone next year'll be ten years It'll be our ten year anniversary next year sometime and um, that's a lot of sermons in in nine years, plus you know before that in uh in churches et cetera it, it's a it's a It's a difficult thing to year after year when it comes around to these holidays to um, to come up with anything unique, to come up with anything that is not something that uh, you've heard five times before. And uh, you, you guys understand that, right? I mean, no, you don't understand it? Preaching Sunday in and Sunday out is a challenge in and of itself. But then ten years of the same holiday, I mean, there's only there's only so much you can say about the manger, et cetera, right? I mean, in, in, in a sense. So what I like to do is I like to come up with, uh, as best I can, uh, a passage that you would not assume could be applied to a Christmas passage. Now, I don't, don't want to stretch it out too much. I don't want like, to make something that has nothing to do with Christmas have to do with Christmas just so we can get through this Christmas Sunday. But I think, I think this morning um, Luke 19 has something for us as we go into Christmas on Thursday. What do you know about Zacchaeus? If I gave you a uh, 3 by 5 index card, could you fill up one side, both sides, about Zacchaeus? Maybe you could sing the song. How many of you grew up church singing the Zacchaeus song? Yeah, Jody, sing it for us. Just give us, um, you know, just give us the first... I'm just kidding, you don't have to do that. Uh, I thought about singing it, but then that would ruin Christmas. Um, Actually, I didn't really grow up in church. I don't know how many of you really know that. I mean, we would go to church on the major holidays, if we, if we got out of bed on time, and uh, clearly that's still rubbed off on my brother, uh, I can say that because he's in the back today, just kidding, give him a hard time, I think he wore sweats to church today, um, but I didn't grow up in church, and so, uh, you know, I didn't learn this Zacchaeus song, but, but that, if you think about the story of Zacchaeus, if you hear that name, that's what most of you probably, that grew up in the Bible Belt, go into church to any degree, that's what you think about is that song. That may be all you know about the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you, just curious, how many of you as an adult have heard a have heard a sermon message on Zacchaeus? Anybody? Okay. About half of us. How many of you on Christmas have heard a sermon series, uh, on Zacchaeus? Great. So I got something here. In Luke chapter 19, it's important for you to understand where in where in the chronology of the story of Jesus in his time here on earth we are. So it's not just about the story of Zacchaeus, but it's about it's about the, the setting. It's about the where and the when that envelopes what happens with Zacchaeus. And so maybe by the end you can understand why this would be appropriate as a Christmas message. There's not going to be... There's not going to be a child in a manger in this story, okay? So I'm not going to do any weird links where you're going to see like through through like magic Bible code, like the the baby in the manger revealed or something, okay? But what I what I will say is this is that you will see Jesus coming to humanity for his ultimate purpose. And you're going to see that in the story of his encounter with Zacchaeus. You know, when we when we typically think about Christmas, we think about Uh, A sermon that would be on the baby in the manger and God with us and he's come to earth and God incarnate, etc. That's that's what we that's what we think about. And that's that's all true. That's all right. Jesus, as you know, he has to grow up before he grows into the time of his public ministry. And so his coming, he comes and there's this celebration and there's angels and there's shepherds and there's wise men and there's all the things that we think about at Christmas. But his his coming into ministry is delayed, right? I mean, he gets, he gets many years down the road before he enters Jerusalem to start the clock ticking towards the cross. That, that's the coming that I want to focus on. Right before Jesus goes to Jerusalem is Luke 19. That's where you are in the story of the chronology of Jesus heading towards the cross from his birth to the cross. It's, it's right before he goes into Jerusalem that he runs into this guy Zacchaeus. Anybody know what Zacchaeus means? Righteous, the righteous one, kind of ironic as we read the story, but it makes some sense. I think I think God, via the Holy Spirit, via the writers, via Zacchaeus, mom and dad are telling us something here. So hold on. Let me walk you through the story of Zacchaeus on this Christmas Sunday. Luke chapter 19, verse one, he entered Jericho. The he in verse one is Jesus, of course, Jesus has entered Jericho. And he was passing through. He was on his way to Jerusalem. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. He was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. He was a little dude. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. Him to see Jesus, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried, that's Zacchaeus, and he came down and received Jesus gladly. When they saw it, that's the crowd, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In Jesus' own words, in verse 10, we find out why he was born. Why the baby in the manger? Because... The Father would have him as the Son of Man to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. Let me pray for us as we look into God's Word. Heavenly Father, on this Sunday before Christmas, I ask for just the next few moments that you would quiet our, quiet our hearts and minds, quiet our, 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 our own busyness within so that we might be able to hear from your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I I confess that this is an odd place to go for Christmas, maybe, at the outset. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you you would speak. I pray we would see why you have come and who you've come for this holiday season. We pray in Jesus' name, who is our cornerstone. Amen. To set the scene a little further, in verse 11, Jesus moves on to a parable. He's a couple days from going into Jerusalem. Once he gets to Jerusalem, you know what's going to happen. The whole Passion Week starts, the whole thing starts to get out of control, and he ends up at the cross, right? We're a couple days ahead of that, on his way to Jerusalem, and... Now he is in a place called Jericho. Jericho is on the outskirts, on the northern end of Jerusalem. And Jericho, what what might be helpful for you to know, it's an awesome place. Geographically, economically, at this time, Jericho is the place you want to be. Herod actually built his home there. If if you had money, that's where you wanted to be. It's lush. It's like South Florida. It's spring-fed, and it's a beautiful place. And that's where he is passing through on his way to Jerusalem. This is where those who had any means of any sort would want to live if they could. And that's where he is. He's, he's on his way to Jericho. And apparently there, there's a small to medium-sized crowd started to gather because they've gotten word that Jesus is passing through. And as this crowd gathers, you know, they're, they're, they're curious. They're, they're wanting to see who this Jesus is. They've, they've started to hear about him now. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. And, and there, there, there's talk of maybe he's the Messiah. And, and there's talk of miracles. And there's talk of uh, amazing things happening by this man's name. And so there's crowds gathering. In verse 11 of Luke 19, Jesus, after running into this crowd and calling Zacchaeus out of the tree, Jesus starts to tell a story. And I'm going to go forward just a little bit so that I think you understand why the story of Zacchaeus is. Is there? In the parable, Jesus goes to explain how the nation of Israel will not be ready to receive him. He'll explain how Jerusalem will not be ready to receive him, not for the intended purpose that he is coming. He's made it clear in verse 10 why he's there, why he was born, and why he is going To Jerusalem, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And the problem with the nation of Israel as a whole is they did not believe they were lost, not in sinful terms, at least. Religious. Yes. Oppressed. Yes. Lost as slaves under a a king that was not their king. Yes. Without a Messiah. Yes. Did they recognize as a whole their need for a Savior, the kind of Savior that Jesus would be? No, they did not. Jesus tells this parable to highlight the fact that when he comes into Jerusalem, he is not going to be surprised that he will be rejected. He goes through the parable, and then if you'll flip on, if you've got your scriptures, just kind of go forward a little bit towards chapter 20. You, you'll see a, cha- a, a, a paragraph in my scriptures. It's entitled, The Triumphal Entry. That's the end of Luke 19. That's where they get the donkey and they lay the palm branches down. So they've got the leaves and they come in uh, to celebrate that Jesus is arriving in Jerusalem. And there's a crowd there as well. And do you remember what they shout? Hosanna. Save now. Save now. And maybe there's a little bit of faith in that. Maybe there's a little bit of hope in that. But also there's this little bit of confusion in that, that they wanted to be saved right here and right now. Because in not too many days, the same crowd would not be shouting Hosanna. They'd be shouting what? Crucify him. Keep Jesus. Give us Barabbas. We don't, we, we don't need him for the reasons he's here. We need someone. And this was, the, this was the the tone of the day for the nation of Israel. For those Jews who lived in the land, they needed a redeemer. They needed a savior, but not from their sins. They needed a savior from the governing authorities of Rome, which were oppressing them. And so, Hosanna, come on in here. Save us. Save us now from Rome. Save us from our oppressors. Save us from those who are against us, those who are taxing us, those who are putting us into slavery, those who are, those who are making our life miserable. You can be our king if you come and redeem us and set up as our rightful king. But that's, that's, that's not Jesus' immediate intent. Would he save them from their oppressors? Yes. But first and foremost, he was there to save them from their sins. And so his purpose is to save those who are lost. Israel wasn't real sure they were lost in the same way that Jesus believed they were lost. And so Jesus gives a parable, kind of tells how, how it's going to happen, what the attitude's going to be towards him. You get the triumphal entry then you get the, this, this powerful moment where Jesus goes into the temple, the temple where he is to be worshipped, where the Father is to be glorified, and he finds that it's, it's just gone haywire. It's a mess. And Jesus, in righteous indignation, you might say, he's flipping tables, he's running people out, and he's saying, this, this, is, this is supposed to be a place of prayer not for selfish gain, and that's what it had turned into. And so you get the parable, you get this triumphal entry, you get, you get here, according to Luke, you get this, this, this Jesus who's running error out of the temple. Was there worship going on in the temple? Was there religion happening in the temple? There was religion happening in the temple. Would Jesus consider it authentic worship? He did not. Chapter 20, his authority begins to be questioned. He gives another parable that would highlight the problem in the nation of Israel. He talks about what is Caesar's and what is not. Uh, they begin to ask him about the resurrection, and it goes on straight all the way to the cross. But before that, before, before those things happen, things that Jesus knows well, apparently, are going to happen He's on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and he runs into a crowd. And there's no indication that anyone in this crowd caught his attention other than save one man, the righteous, Zacchaeus. There's a couple things in the story that I want to highlight that I think give us some clues as to why this story might be important. He enters Jericho. I've already told you about the city. Verse one, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Let me tell you what that means to be a tax collector as a Jew was a very lucrative job. But it was not the job you wanted if you were patriotic. If you loved your country, you could not be a tax collector because you collected taxes for Rome. And Rome was the was the oppressor in the situation and they were they were a violent oppressor to the nation of israel so you couldn't be patriotic and also be a tax collector but here's how you did it if you really wanted to make some money you could bid to the authorities in rome for the job and by bid i mean that you would tell rome okay we'll collect the taxes for you i'll collect the taxes from my own people for you and rome liked that by the way they like to send jew to jew right they'll send their own people to get the money from their own And so if you wanted that job, you would have to go to Rome and you would say, okay, I will give you this percentage of what I collect. You tell me how much to to collect, I'll get you that much. Now, how I make money is, is that I raise the taxes even further above that. Rome says, listen, you do whatever you need to do to make whatever you need to make as long as you bring us our money. And so there was a whole host of national Jewish brethren who decided to, follow the material road and say, okay, forget patriotism, forget that these people are oppressing us. I want that job. I'll be a tax collector. Tell me how much you need, and I'll make what I need to make. And so there would be degrees of honest tax collectors. One historian said that uh, there was only one honest tax collector in all the history of Israel, and they built a monument to the guy because th- that's the only one they could find. So that's how, that's how bad this, this career path was, if you wanted to be a Jew that was respected among your peers. And so guys like Zacchaeus, tax collectors, they would say, okay, I'll take that job. And basically they would be shunned by the rest of the nation. It would be like selling American military secrets to Russia. Okay? You would would lose all respect of those within our country. In fact, we we would hate you for that, right? And so these are hated men. They're men who are not respected. If you grew up to be a tax collector, your mama was not proud. If you decided to be a tax collector, you probably, as a male, were not going to marry a Jewish woman. It would not be allowed. So they, there, there came some, some penalty, some price to pay if you wanted that job, but that job paid very well. And the more force you put on your own people, the more money you could make. And so there was this whole host of tax collectors that went out. They were despised among their own people. And the scripture in Luke 19 tells us that Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector. Now, let me, let me tell you what that means. Like in a casino, you've got, the, you've got the dealers, and then you've got the pit bosses above them. Zacchaeus was kind of like a pit boss. Maybe the dealer's skimming a little bit off the top, and he's making his money, and then the pit boss is skimming off all the dealers. Does that make sense? No, shouldn't. you shouldn't. None of you gamble, right? None of you have been in a casino. All right. Good, good Baptist. You're lying. Um, The chief tax collector, he made his money off of all the tax collectors doing their job, right? And so it's kind of this pyramid scheme. He was the top dog in Jericho. Not only was he the chief tax collector, so he was the guy put in charge by Rome of all the other tax collectors oppressing the brethren. He was in charge of all them, so he was really hated, but he was really making a whole lot of money. So when it comes to stuff, get 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 this picture of Zacchaeus here before he runs into Jesus. He's got everything he needs. He's got worldly everything he needs. He's in Jericho. Remember what we said about Jericho? I mean, it's a beautiful place. He's living high on the hog. Not only does the scripture say that he was the chief tax collector, but it also says he he did his job very well. He was rich. He was rich. Which comes to also equate to the fact that he was hated, he was probably very lonely. He was probably separated from his people, cut off from his people. In fact, when Scripture talks about uh, church discipline, um, if, if those people that you are disciplining in the church, you remember this passage? If those people that you are temp- attempting to discipline in the church, if they do not receive that discipline, if they don't repent, if they don't turn back, if you don't win that brother, what, is, what does Jesus say is the, is the last thing you do with them? You are to basically cut them off. You are to separate yourselves them and treat them as what? Tax collectors. So Zacchaeus is is not a liked guy. He's on his own. But there's a crowd growing. Verse three: Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus. And just let those words sink in for a moment, because I think it. I think it's a powerful statement. I think, it's, I think it's a statement that ought to be a statement that every one of our hearts feels at some point in time. That even if we've gained the whole world, at some point in time we have to recognize that, that we may have still lost our soul. And at some point we have to have that turning within our own heart, that, that point of repentance where we, where we say, we, we've got to see this Jesus. Verse 3 for Zacchaeus. He was trying to see Jesus. But he was unable of the crowd. There was, there was a number of people who were curious. You think they all came to worship? You think they all came to, to expect a miracle? Probably not. Kind of like a kind of like the Christmas parade. They've come to see Santa go by. Zacchaeus. He was small in stature, and so he's lost in the shuffle. He's lost for real. I don't think it's any mistake that he was a wee little man, right? Remember the song. I don't think it is any mistake of the symbolism of all that Scripture builds Zacchaeus up to be. Wealthy by his own right, but he was a he was a small man. And for a number of reasons he, he couldn't see Jesus. Part of the reason was because of because of all those who were pushing their way out of curiosity to see who this, who this coming king, who this coming Messiah that would save his people, who is he? What's he about? Verse 4, so he ran on ahead. He shows some ambition here. And he climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. For Jesus was about to pass that way. What do you know about a sycamore tree in the nation of Israel? In Israel, there were two national symbols related to trees and fruits, etc. that Israel was always identified with. One was the olive tree and one was the fig tree, which is the sycamore tree in Israel. The olive and the fig, two identifying fruits for the nation of Israel. Now, the olive is kind of utilitarian. It's used for oil, it's used for light, it's used for for, for bringing uh, utilitarian needs to bear. The fig was intended... To be a delight to Israel. It was a true fruit. It was, it was the dessert. So the, the, the olive met your needs. The fig blessed you. Zacchaeus climbs into a sycamore tree. Now, I won't, I won't go there today. But jot down a couple places in your scriptures. Jot down Hosea 9 and Micah 7. Maybe you find some time this week to go back into the Old Testament and find out why the sycamore tree, why the fig was symbolic of the nation of Israel. The short story is this, that, that God throughout the nation of Israel's history would say that I, that I long for you to be that sweet fruit of the fig tree, that I would come to the tree and find you flourishing, that I would bless you that way, and that you might be a blessing to all the other nations in that way. Now, the sycamore tree, it would begin to leaf and to flower what time of year? Spring. Yeah. Lynn, what would that be for us? Like the dogwood tree or something here in Georgia? All right. So the sycamore tree, at this time in, in the season, it was, it was ready to bloom. Remember, we're, we're heading towards the cross, and so we're heading towards Easter, and we're heading towards spring, and so it's, it's starting to leaf out at this point. Knowing that through the Old Testament, if you go back to Hosea, if you go back to Micah and the various places in the Old Testament, that God uses the fig tree as a symbolic way of saying that this is the this is the nation of Israel. And it should be not only blessed, but it should be a fruitful blessing to all those around it. Now you, you, you might understand why it's important that Zacchaeus climbed into a sycamore tree and that as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, he's just outside of Jerusalem and the time is almost right for his offering, for his sacrifice, and for the conversion via the cross for all of us. We're, we're about to move into that time. And so the leaves are coming to bear. Jesus is, is expecting some fruit. But you remember what we said about the nation of Israel. When he gets to Jerusalem, he's not going to find the fruit that he would he would want. And he knows it's not going to be there. The fig tree, so to speak, that was supposed to be symbolic of the nation of Israel is not going to bloom for His coming. There will be no fruits in the nation of Israel to be a blessing to the rest of the world. Thus the parable, thus when He gets to Jerusalem, He goes into the temple and He finds religion, but there's no worship. There are leaves, but there's no fruit on the tree. And so He runs them out. Nothing is as it ought to be in the fig tree for the nation of Israel. But before he gets there, he will find one piece of fruit. One small, wee piece of low-hanging fruit in the form of Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus, he climbs into the tree. When Jesus came to the place, verse 5, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. For today I, encircle the next word, I must... I must stay at your house. How would you like Jesus? How would you like Jesus in the midst of a, of a great crowd to see not just your actions, but to see through to your heart and understand why you've done what you've done and say, I've got to I've got i s I've got to stop and go to that guy's house. Verse six says that Zacchaeus hurried and came down. You bet he did. My mentor one time said that he, he imagines Zacchaeus jumping down out of the tree in like one of those little cartoons you see. He was hitting the ground running. His feet were just spinning before he even hit the ground. Jesus has called his name and said, I'm coming to your house. I must. Why must he? Why must he? Because the Father has sent him to collect all that the Father has prepared for him. And he must, he must stop for this man. What is it about Zacchaeus? By all indications, there's there's nothing righteous about him, even though that's what his name indicates. He's hated among his people. Do you think Jesus should be stopping for this guy? What kind of expectations does Jesus have from from a good Jew? What would a model Jew look like? Is he going to find it in Jerusalem? He's not. Where does he find that one piece of fruit on the fig tree? He finds it in the least likely place. He finds it in Zacchaeus, a hated man, a sinful man, an extorter, an oppressor of his own people. And yet Jesus sees something in him and he says, Hey, hey you, let's go. I, I got to come to your house. I mean, don't you know that Jesus is able to see through? all of our motives, all of our reasons. I mean, the whole crowd, there was a crowd there. It doesn't stop, at least as Luke records, it doesn't stop and take note of anyone else. You think think God has the ability to see through the crowd of those who might have gathered for His coming in celebration for Santa to come by, those who might have come uh, just curious, or those who might have come thinking, well, maybe I'll get something, maybe they'll throw some candy to me. Hey, maybe I'll get a blessing out of this. Maybe there's a miracle in it for me. You think God Almighty can see through that to the depths of our heart? You know what this, this passage reminds me of? It reminds me of the woman who had the issue of blood. Jesus is going through another crowd. And he says, is it is it to Peter? He says, hey, somebody touched me. Yeah, I mean, we're in a crowd here. What do you, what do you think? No, <laughs> someone, someone touched me. And it's different this time. I felt... Even power leave. Someone touched me out of, out of faith. Do you, think, do you think God Almighty incarnate in the flesh can tell the difference in the hearts of men who have come for the right reasons or just come out of curiosity, just come to see the show, just come to see what they can get? I think, I think he can. Zacchaeus flies out of the tree, gets down, he hurries. He receives Jesus gladly, verse 7, when they saw it. Who is the, the they in verse 7? crowd. People stop and they notice, hey, that's Zacchaeus. What's he doing? Jesus called his name. Where's Jesus going? I think he said he's going to his house. Heck you say. He's going to that guy's house. Why didn't he go to my house? The crowd has a problem with it. What does Jesus see in Zacchaeus that he doesn't see? In all the onlookers, all those who would be standing by. When they saw it, they began, all of them, to grumble, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stopped right there. Love this verse. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. Now, let me just stop you there for a second. The nation of Israel wasn't wasn't commanded to give half of anything. As far as I can remember, at all, ever. They they were commanded to give a tithe, to give a tenth, to give their percentage to the poor and to the work of the kingdom. Yes. Never, as far as I can recall, are they ever commanded to give half. What, what do you think is going on in this guy's heart? Do you think he's holding on to all his stuff? Something has happened in this man's life that he's realized that all that he has gained is not worth what he sees in Jesus. And what Jesus has is more worth the holding on to than all that he has already gained. And he says, take, take half. Give it to whoever you want to give it to. I don't need it. They got a problem with me? Take half. Not only that, look at what else he says. I'll give that to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, has he defrauded anyone of anything? You bet he has. And so it's not an it's not an if like a maybe it's it's if and I have. If I've defrauded anyone of anything and I have, I will give back to him two times as much. Four times as much in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was commanded that if you stole from somebody and you returned what and you were caught or they found you out somehow and you had to return what they what you stole, you had to give them back twice as much. But if you stole something from them and say it was an ox or some food or whatever and you consumed it you ate whatever you stole or you spent whatever you stole and you couldn't give it back to them you had to give back four times as much this guy this guy he's not only generous he's not only letting go of things but he he's obeying the law because he sees Jesus Nobody else quite sees Jesus in this way, do they? Not not by this story, not by the parable that comes after, not by any indication of what happens when Jesus gets into Jerusalem and goes into his own temple, for goodness sake. Verse 11 in this passage, as he starts the parable, it says this, when they were listening to these things, that's, That's this encounter with Zacchaeus. When this crowd was listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell them a parable. Here's the setup for the parable. He told them this parable because he was near Jerusalem and they, Israel, those who were were there in the crowd, supposed they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. And he still had a cross before him. Isn't it interesting? Jesus knows why he's on earth. He's on earth because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The crowd doesn't see it. Something in Zacchaeus' life has indicated to him that this man is what I need. This Jesus has something that I've not been able to gain in all my work. In all my accumulation, I've not been able to gain. Climbs a tree. Jesus sees the fruit in the man's heart and in his life. And he plucks him out of that tree and he goes to his house. Now, notice what it says here. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. What do you do when you go to a, into the home of a Middle Eastern? You eat. What, is, what does the Bible say in Revelation that will happen if when he knocks on the door of your heart and you hear his voice and you open the door what'll happen? He will come in and he will he will dine with him and he with me. That's what happens here with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus I got I I have to come to your house. And Jesus comes in and he dines with him. He has fellowship with him. And notice notice what Zacchaeus has to do, does Zacchaeus have time to give away his stuff yet? Does Zacchaeus have time to pay these folks back yet? No. You get verse 9 immediately after verse 8's confession. Immediately this man is converted. He is saved. It's like unto it's, it's the thief on the cross, what Jesus said to him. Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. He's a true son of Abraham. Jesus would say to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those who were religious by, by their job, by their, by their job description, they missed it. Those who were supposed to know better, they missed it. He would say to them, he would say, you, you are no sons of Abraham. This is a son of Abraham. I must go to his house. Today, you will be with me in paradise today for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost true story john f kennedy was going to i think it was vegas and uh he would typically plan to stay with different people uh partly as uh as friendships but partly as political moves as uh, presidents sometimes do and um JFK had a brother-in-law, a guy named Peter Lawford, who was, who was uh, related or a friend, I can't remember, to Frank Sinatra. And so uh, JFK was going to stay with Frank Sinatra when he went to Vegas. And for weeks and months, Sinatra set his home up because the president was coming to stay with him. Uh, they say that he expanded his home just for the president. He added, he added extra phone lines and communication uh, lines just because the president was coming to stay with him, he, he he spared no expense. He went through this whole addition to his home because JFK was coming to stay with him. Uh, just before JFK came, uh, Peter Lawford came to Sinatra's house, knocked on the door, and said, "Listen, uh, I got some bad news. President won't be coming to your house." What? Uh, well, turns out somehow or another, he found out that you've got some. Uh, some colorful connections to the uh to the underworld, to the powers that be, to uh to the crime uh bosses that that, that were that were at that time. And um he said, listen, the president just can't he, he just can't come stay with you and risk being connected, you know, to a John Gotti. Right? And so uh Sinatra, as the story goes, kind of flips out and uh kicks Peter out and tries to burn down the addition to his house. I don't think it worked. But he, tried, he just wrecks the whole place. Part of the problem was probably that when he uh, found out where he changed his, uh, his stay to be. Anybody know where he went and stayed instead? Not Sinatra's house, but he stayed with Bing Crosby. Decided on a white Christmas instead. It was, there was something about Sinatra that the president couldn't, couldn't connect to. He couldn't have fellowship with. It was a political move, and it was the right move. The president could not stay in that home. He could not go in and fellowship and eat with him. I wonder, I wonder if, if the king of kings, the one who came as a helpless babe, who grows up to march into Jerusalem, I wonder if he, if he could come into to your house, to my house, were we, were we the ones in the tree, would he have taken note of us? Now, be careful, because there was nothing about Zacchaeus, nothing about his achievements, that impressed Jesus going by. What did Jesus see? Jesus saw a willing heart. Jesus saw faith. Jesus saw one that wasn't just curious about this parade, Jesus saw one who wasn't just looking to get something from it. In fact, Zacchaeus would say, whatever I got, just take that half. I I owe him something four times. And Jesus' response to that, that kind of Jewish patriot was today. Not only will I be in your house, but salvation is in your house. How do you approach Christmas? How do you approach the God who has come to earth in the form of a babe? Yes, but he has come to march into Jerusalem to save what was supposed to be via the nation of Israel, to save those who were lost. Do you come like the crowd? Just curious. I mean, it's a party, so let's go. I mean, it's Christmas, so let's, let's join in. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe there'll be a blessing for me in it. Do you come as an opportunist for that which, which Jesus might do for you? Or do you come like Zacchaeus? A wee little man, a wee little woman, all on your own. A sinner. Obviously a sinner. No righteousness of your own. Do you come humbly? Do you come willing to climb a tree just to see Him if you have to? Or are you content to be just a part of the crowd? For the one who who Jesus sees that kind of faith in, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day of your salvation. Behold, if I stand at the door and knock, and you hear my voice, I I will come into you, and I'll have fellowship with you. That's the offer of God with us. That, that's why He comes into the manger. So that, so that as, a, as a grown man, He could walk to the cross. Zacchaeus is kind of a model for us at Christmas. He's, he's the model Jew. He is therefore the model Christian for us. We, we should be that fruit for Jesus to pick of His elect out of the sycamore tree, as it were, of our country, of our world. Let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Lord, this holiday season, there are many who come crying, Hosanna, save now. There are many who come with hearts of true adoration but there there are also those lord and we've all been there this this is not a slight on them father we we've all been we've all been Zacchaeus at some point living on our own seeking to gain all that we can but my prayer father that this holiday season this this sunday before christmas my, my prayer for for those who are who are just part of the crowd right now is that they would they would see jesus in a new way that their hearts would be changed holy spirit that you would you would touch their spirit and make it alive within them grant them the ability to have faith in your son lord this holiday season I pray that we're not just watching the parade go by. I pray that um, for those of us who who have been Christians a while, Lord, that we would that we would still have the heart of Zacchaeus. No matter what we've done, we place our faith in you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you you came to seek and to save that which was lost and Lord if there are any here that uh, have just today discovered that they are lost I pray that you would whisper their name that you would call them down that you would come into them you would fellowship with them they might know you in a new way in an intimate way Lord Christmas is a uh It's an amazing time of year for us. For some it's a difficult time of year for various reasons. For some it's a time of year where we get lost, we get caught up in all the all the crowd, all the pomp and circumstance. Lord, I pray that this holiday season we would we'd be able to see through all this stuff, the stuff in our own heart, the stuff in our own mind, our own our own baggage, our own hurts, our own pains, to be able to see Jesus, the one who comes to seek and to save that which was lost. Let us see let us see our Redeemer. Let us see our Savior. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, for this last song, I'm just going to let you want uh, to let you contemplate Zacchaeus for a moment, and um, this is uh, it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. I don't know if it's necessarily a song that you sing along to. I remember when I was in college. I hadn't been saved just a couple of years. I got saved just before I went to college. I remember having a tape. You guys remember what tapes are? Some of you. Jackson, you ever seen a tape? You're lying. Your dad still got tapes. I had a tape of uh, Mary. Did you know? It's an interesting question. Wonder if she knew. In that child that she gave birth to. What was coming as he would walk into Jerusalem? You know, the angel told Joseph there is one coming, even, even told him what to name him. And he said, He's bringing salvation for you. This one that was born this time of year he's come for you. He's come for you. Why don't you just sit and enjoy these last few moments? preparing your heart to move into a week that might be might be a busy week that might crowd out Jesus in your own heart and mind let's focus on him for a few more moments and ask ask the Lord to help us to see exactly who he is so that we're we're ready for Thursday morning amen all right